This is speaking in tongues part number four. We've got the three done already. And because it's been a little while since we met together last time to go this, I'll probably have to do just a little quick review of where we started, or actually where I finished last time. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So I'd like everybody to go there. And for our first amount of time together today, we're going to spend a lot of time in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now I realize that some of the things that I'm going to say uh, are not what you are accustomed to, probably not what you have been necessarily instructed in, and probably not what you have seen in some things, uh, especially when it comes to the interpretation of tongues and who, who, who you're interpreting for. And to some people that is a new concept, uh, but let me assure you it is not new at all. It's nothing new. As a matter of fact, in the history of the Elam Pentecostal Church, and this is an Elam Pentecostal Church, back, I believe it was in the 1970s, the, uh, I'm not sure of the time, but the person who was the general superintendent at that time uh, put forth teaching, which is exactly what I'm sharing with you today, about tongues and interpretation. And if you were to check over in Elam in England, uh, you would discover that many of the pastors and Bible school teachers over there would be echoing and saying the same thing that I'm saying to you as well. So it's not a strange thing at all uh, about tongues and the interpretation. But let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. And I'm going to go through the entire chapter, verse by verse, and trying to get understanding. It says in verse 1, it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And one of the things that we have said that needs to be repeated, that spiritual gifts must be sought after only in the context of love. When it comes to the subject of, of any spiritual gift, whether it's tongues or prophecy, we have to do it in the context of love. Otherwise, this can become controversial very quickly. And our pursuit of spiritual gifts is not for the sake of just having power, but our pursuit of spiritual gifts may be so that we could more efficiently express love. Love wants to serve, so love will prophesy. Love wants to serve, so love will, will pray for the sick. Love wants to serve. And the gifts of the Spirit are to help you serve far more effectively in love. So let's not pursue the gifts of the Spirit outside the context of love, but let them be an expression of love. And that's just a very important thing. The goal of all spiritual gifts including speaking in tongues, which we're talking about today specifically, the goal of all spiritual gifts is the edification of the entire church. The edification of the body. Now, I can't overemphasize that enough when it comes to our discussion about speaking in tongues, because in our Western world, where we live lives very disconnected from each other, and it's true, we live our lives very disconnected from each other. Usually, unless you go out of your way to form friendships, the only time you will see people 
is in church. And our day-to-day lives are very disconnected from each other. And so there is a tendency for us to put the emphasis on ourselves even when it comes to church services. I'm here to be blessed. What can I receive? I come here to be fed. And unconsciously we put this emphasis on ourselves. And let me say it again. The goal of spiritual gifts, including speaking in tongues, is to edify the corporate body. We don't gather together for heightened individual spirituality. I'm not here to have my own private experience with the Lord. I hope you do have experience with the Lord. But the purpose in gathering together is not to have a heightened individual spiritual experience. The purpose in gathering together is corporate and mutual edification. That's why tongues is the wrong gift to bring to the church service. And that's why prophecy is the correct gift to bring to the church service. We're not here for heightened individual spirituality. We are gathering for the purpose of mutual edification. We follow that, understand what I'm saying there. And that's an important principle that we must have. Thus, Paul has a very, very, very strong preference that when we get together, seek to prophesy rather than just speak in tongues. In the original Greek language, verse 1 is very emphatic. If I could read it to you, uh, you know, follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy, especially that you may prophesy. What Paul is saying, if I could give this to you out of the Greek language, he's saying, desire and be earnestly zealous for spiritual gifts. And just as a side note, I want you to notice the responsibility that Paul gives to you. If you you take the attitude of God wants me to speak a word of prophecy, well, it'll happen one day. No, it won't. You have to seek. You have to desire. You have to be zealous. You need to pursue these things. We We are responsible for growing in the gifts of the Spirit. We are responsible for advancing in the gifts of the Spirit. If we take a passive attitude, well, if God just wants to do it one day, then it'll happen. Well, you could go for the rest of your life and not happen. There's an onus on us. We are to desire and earnestly be zealous to express spiritual gifts, but only in the context of pressing towards and pursuing love. Because love drives us, Love demands that you seek prophecy in church services over speaking in tongues. If you're loving people, if our goal is to love and to bless and mutual edification, then love will tell you to seek prophecy rather than speaking in tongues in church services. Did you catch that? If we just go in tongues all the time, we are not walking in love and respect towards other people. We want to bless other people. We want to edify other people. Therefore, love would teach you that you should seek to prophesy in the church services rather than tongues. Love seeks to edify. And as Paul will quickly point out in this chapter, uninterpreted tongues do not edify the other person. 
Uninterpreted tongues do not edify the other person. However, prophecy does edify the other person. Therefore, if you are guided and living in love, guided by love, living in love, even though you can already speak in tongues, you will press forward in the things of the Spirit and seek God to move in prophecy. Love demands that you are intelligible to others in corporate worship. Thus, there is the preference for prophecy when it comes to gifts of the Spirit in church services. This verse, 14 verse 1, follows after the thought of 1231, where in chapter 1231, Paul says, Covet earnestly the best gifts. Here's something you get to covet. Covet earnestly the best gifts. Um, In other words, what is the best way that you can bring edification to the church? So the church is instructed to act with the Spirit in the community of worship. But don't just go in the gifts of the Spirit. Go in the character and the nature of the Spirit, which is edification. The goal is edification. So the reason he prefers prophecy is spelled out for us in chapter 14, verses 2 to 5. So let me read chapter 14, verses 2 to 5. Why prophecy? Here's the answer. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but he is speaking to God, for nobody understands him. However, in the Spirit he is speaking mysteries. But he who prophesies is speaking edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies is edifying the church. I wish that you all spoke with tongues, but even more, I wish that you all prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless he interprets that the church may receive edification. How long is it going to take me to unpack these verses? There's so much there. I want you to emphasize in verse number 2, when you speak in tongues, you are not addressing men. When you speak in tongues, when you have an utterance in tongues, when that gift of tongues comes forward, you're not talking to the church. That's a plain statement. When you give an utterance in tongues, you are not addressing the church. It can't be any plainer than what it says there. You are not speaking to men. It is in the Greek language, it's very emphatic. You are not, you are definitely not, full stop, you are not speaking, addressing men. It's full and it's a direct negative in the Greek. When you are speaking in tongues, you are speaking to God, not to the church. You are addressing God. As I will demonstrate later as we work through this chapter, speaking in tongues means you as a believer is offering prayer, you are offering worship, you are offering praise, you are offering thanksgiving, or you are offering blessing towards God. We'll see that as we work through this chapter. There is a very powerful result for the believer when you do this. It says you yourself are edified and you are personally built up by doing this. Of all the gifts of the Spirit, 
Only one is for your own edification. The others are means by which you can bring edification to others. But there's one gift of the Spirit that God has given you for your own edification. And why? It's because you are being built up by speaking in tongues, by worshiping in tongues, by blessing, by praying, by praising, by giving thanks in other tongues. You yourself are being spiritually tuned. You are being built up in your spirit. All ministry to other people, and I can't emphasize this enough, all ministry to other people is to come out of your spirit. That's what ministers. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And all ministry is to flow out of your spirit. And so God has given you a gift by which you can keep your own spirit alive and functioning and charged and ready and tuned up. So there's a wonderful blessing for you when you do speak in tongues because you're just equipping yourself to be used of God in other gifts as the Lord sees fit. Speaking in tongues is the one gift that is under your sovereign control. You can start and stop at will. You don't need some unction from heaven to begin speaking in other tongues. You can do it at will. And you can stop it at will. It's entirely under your sovereign control. That's not true of the other gifts. This is a gift given to you for you to use to build yourself up. Who wouldn't want to speak in tongues? If this is the, the blessing and this is the result. There's a powerful result for you when you speak in tongues. Now, there are three positive things that Paul does say about tongues here. One, positive, first positive thing, you're talking to God. Hallelujah. You're talking to God. You're giving prayer. You're giving praise. You are talking to God. Another very positive thing that these verses say that the Holy Spirit is speaking through you about mysteries to God. In other words, sometimes there are things that are beyond your ability to express. There are things beyond your understanding. Speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, worshiping in tongues enables you to make contact with God beyond your natural ability and beyond your comprehension. It lifts you above human limitations. Who wouldn't want to speak in tongues? Wonderful. It lifts you beyond your natural limitations. You are not stuck with your own strength and wisdom and might. It enables you to go well beyond anything natural. You know, we sing these hymns, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Well, get baptized in the Holy Ghost and you can have them. You're going to sing the hymn, you might as well receive them. You know, or, or there's joy unspeakable, full of glory, and the half has not been told. That's because you can't tell it. Speak in tongues and you will. You know, wonderful, wonderful ability to go beyond. And the third positive thing that Paul says about tongues is you're edified. 
you are built up and you are edified when you do that. Now what you need to understand here that in the things of the Spirit, for personal edification, you don't have to understand everything to be personally edified. God has more means of edifying you than going through the cortex of your human brain without having to understand these mysteries that you can't articulate anyway. Well, you are edified. There is an immediate communication with God by means of the Spirit that sometimes bypasses your need to understand. Wonderful truth that is. Wonderful truth that is. When we get down to verses 14 and 15, we'll understand that a little more better. But Paul is going to have both. He will pray in tongues and he will pray in his native language as well. This definition of the purpose of tongues, that it's spoken towards God, is held up in the rest of your Bible. For instance, in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, in verses 4 to 11, when they spoke in tongues, those 120 spoke in tongues, what was the context of what they were saying? What were they doing when they spoke in tongues? If you go to chapter 2 of Acts, verses 4 to 11, they begin to speak in tongues. And it says in verse number, if I pick it up in verse number 11, after they mention a lot of the different dialects that have been spoken, it says, we do hear them speak in our languages, in our dialects, the wonderful works of God. So when they were speaking in tongues, it was extolling God, it was praising God, it was magnifying God, it was speaking about His, His greatness, whatever. They were talking the wonderful works of God. Tongues in the books of Acts was praise about God, praise to God. The same is found in chapter 10. In verses 44 to 46, uh, in the household of Cornelius, when the Holy Spirit fell upon Cornelius and his house, it says in verse number 46 of chapter 10, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. What were they doing when they were speaking in tongues? They were magnifying God. So the, the, the record in the book of Acts agrees with what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. It's about God, it's towards God. We are addressing God. So none of these points that we have just made would hardly discourage anybody from seeking this gift. But conversely, it should cause every believer to press through to receive this blessing. The language of Paul certainly encourages everybody to press into this matter for their own personal benefit and growth. He, but he also encourages every believer to press into prophecy for the benefit out of edifying the whole church. Back in 1 Corinthians 14, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. In other words, even though tongues is being abused uh, in the Corinthian corporate assembly, Paul the Apostle is not against speaking in tongues and on a personal level wishes that everybody, I wish that you would all, speak in tongues, very much so. But as I said, church gatherings are not about my private devotions. Church gatherings are about mutual edification. 
So when it comes to church services, what is needed is that which is intelligent to other people. That's what's going to bring mutual edification. You see, there is a, a, an underlying principle of interpretation through this whole chapter, and that is this. The other person is not edified if, they are, if you are not understood. There's no edification without understanding. To what you, you yourself are edified, but the other person is not edified without understanding. And that is going to be, that's going to drive this whole entire chapter. So when we get together for church gatherings, it's not, for my, it's not the place for my private devotions. It is for mutual edification. Corporate edification. So the preference then, when we get to church, is not speaking in tongues, it's prophecy. Now it goes on to say that the direction of, of tongues is man speaking to God. But it also says in chapter 14, in verse number 3, but he that prophesies is speaking to men. So let's get the difference here. Tongues is man by the Spirit addressing God. Prophecy is God by the Spirit addressing man. Opposite directions. Tongues is man to God. Prophecy is God to man. Please firmly get that in your mind, the opposite directions here. Prophecy is God speaking to the church. Now, it's important that you grasp the purpose of prophecy. It is not, as sometimes commonly thought, prophecy is not dealing with the future. But prophecy is God speaking into your present life. Prophecy is God speaking into present situations. And Paul will list three benefits to the church. When the church hears God through the gift of prophecy. One is to edify. Well, that's the purpose of church meetings, to edify. Edify means to strengthen. It means to build up. It means to bring confirmation to. Uh, that's the goal of love. In chapter 8 of Corinthians, verse 1, you know, the goal of love is to edify. And this is why prophecy, because it edifies the church. It's in the framework of edification that you seek the things of the Spirit. So it edifies. The second thing that prophecy does, it exhorts. Exhorts. The word exhort means to encourage. Anybody ever need encouragement? Once in a while? <laughs> Needs encouragement. It means to appeal to you. It means that God is entreating you. It means God wants to motivate you by a revelation of His heart. God wants to reveal His heart to you, to motivate you. That's what the word exhort means. And thirdly, it says comfort. That means bring consolation. Anybody ever need consoling once in a while? You know, prophecy will, will seek to do that. Now the power and the intent of these gifts, or the purposes of prophecy... If you were to read in your own time 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 11 and Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1, if you'd look those up, Paul uses these same terms about exhorting and, and appealing to and comforting in the context how a father or a mother will do that to their children. We get the idea by comparing those verses that the effect that prophecy should have. Like a father exhorting his son, giving a, a charge to his son. Like a mother comforting a child. The way those words are used. That's the purpose of the gift 
of uh, prophecy. In chapter 14, verse 31, Paul would also say, you may all prophesy that the church may learn. So there's some learning that takes place, some, some spiritual development that will come to us through the gift of prophecy. Now, knowing these facts about prophecy are important because they will help you to learn how to judge prophecy. Because when we get to the topic of prophecy and learning to prophesy and how the divine mind blends with the human mind, well, then we'll understand the need for judging prophecy. However, that's another study that I won't take up today. All right. Now, why does Paul say that the person who prophesies in the public gatherings is greater than the person who speaks in tongues? Does that mean that tongues is a more important gift or less important gift than prophecy? Does it mean one gift of the Spirit is more important than another one? Paul says, greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks in tongues. Does that mean one gift is more important than the other? The answer to that question is absolutely not. As a matter of fact, I would say the most important gift is tongues, because that's the one God has given you to edify your own spirit. So in that sense, it's greater than other gifts, because without you regularly using this gift of tongues in your own personal life, you're just not going to be as tuned up to the things of the Lord as you could be. So in that sense, I would say tongues is the greatest gift. But in this chapter, we're not talking about my private edification. We're talking about mutual, one another benefit and edification. Therefore, in the context of church services, prophecy definitely is a greater gift than tongues in church services. Why? Remember back in chapter 12, 31, covet the best gifts. The best means of edification for the situation in which you find yourself. The sense of being greater is not inherent in itself since every gift comes from the same Holy Spirit. And every gift is beneficial when used properly. Prophecy is the greater and the best gift in church services. Why? Because it has the ability, the power to edify and bless others. That's why it is the greater gift. What Paul is getting at is without interpretation, tongues do not edify the church. Thus Paul would say in verse number 5, I would rather that you prophesy. Look what it says. I would that you all spoke in tongues. He's not against anybody speaking in tongues. He wishes everybody would have the blessing. He wishes everybody would have that breakthrough in their lives. I would that you all speak in tongues. But in the church service, I much rather, and that word rather is strong, I much, much more prefer, I would rather that you prophesy. Prophecy is a spontaneous word that the Holy Spirit will bring to God's people for the edification of the whole assembly. He doesn't disapprove speaking in tongues, but he wants to make sure you understand where it's to be used. Absolutely. Now, verse 5 has brought confusion to many people. And based upon a misreading, a misinterpretation of verse 5, we have this very common Pentecostal practice 
of getting a message from God through tongues and interpretation. Often what I have discovered in church services, that people do have a word from the Lord, but they don't give it. And the reason they don't give it is because they want someone to speak in tongues first. And if somebody would speak in tongues, then I know I can deliver this word. And I ask the question, why do you do that? Why do you wait for someone to speak in tongues before you deliver a prophecy? Why, why, why? You're not going to get an interpretation of tongues until after somebody speaks in tongues. You're not going to get an interpretation of tongues before somebody speaks in tongues. What you have is a prophecy. You do not need to wait for someone to speak in tongues before you deliver it. And so what we have here is somebody speaking in tongues followed by a prophecy, not followed by an interpretation of tongues. That is the plain statement of verses 1 to 5. How do you argue with verses 1 to 5? That is exactly what it says. But we have this this tradition. We talk about evangelical churches being traditional. Have we not created our own set of traditions just as much in these things? I would say we certainly have. We've created our own traditions. You see, because people have not been taught, not been developed, not been encouraged, not shown the way of the things of the gifts of the Spirit, we have been left to just basically struggle on our own and never develop. Oftentimes, when somebody senses an anointing of the Holy Spirit, what they will do without thinking or without understanding what's going on, what they will often do is just speak out in tongues and it can be very strong. And I ask the question, why are you doing that? You don't have to be moved upon by the Spirit to speak in tongues. You can do that at will. So why, when the Spirit moves upon you, are you speaking in tongues? You don't have to. I would say, my encouragement would be, my advice would be, is hold back the tongues, seek God, and maybe you will prophesy instead. Hold back the tongues, say, God, what is this anointing for? What's this about? And it might be to pray for the sick. It might be a gift of faith rising up in you. But because we haven't been schooled in in understanding the anointing and understanding these different gifts, our knee-jerk reaction is just to speak out in tongues. I say, hold the tongues back and see what God wants to do. Is that a new thought for you? Am I challenging mindsets? If we don't address some of these issues, what we'll discover is we'll never grow up in the things of God because we can't seem to get past even basics. We'll never grow up in these things. How many have been baptized in the Holy Spirit for 20 years, 30 years, and never prophesied yet in all of those years? And I would ask, you're kidding me. You've never prophesied in all those years? Why not? I don't understand that. 
That's beyond my comprehension. And yet that seems to be, we, we've got ourselves in a, well, we let the professional three same people do all the prophesying. You know, it seems as if we are still infants in our thinking. Now, the Bible says you're greater if you prophesy than speak in tongues. Because The reason for that is simple. Because you're edifying the whole church. It's the greater gift for the church service. It's not the greater gift for your personal devotions, but it's the greater gift for the church service. Now, you're greater than the person who speaks in tongues unless the tongues are interpreted. Because if the tongues are interpreted then the church will be edified, just like prophecy edifies. But that verse 5 is not saying, and the word not is spelled N-O-T when you're taking notes. That verse is not saying that the interpretation of tongues serves the same purpose as prophecy. Because that would be a violation of verse number 2. Paul doesn't contradict himself in verse 5 after verse 2 doesn't contradict himself. Tongues interpreted will bring edification. Therefore, what should the interpretation sound like? Well, if the tongues is a prayer, then the interpretation should sound like a prayer. If the tongues is a praise and a worship, then the interpretation should sound like a praise and a worship. Just for instance, if you skip down to verse number 16 and 17, just to show you, I'll come back to those verses, but if you skip down to verse 16 and 17, it says, Else when you shall bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at your what? What does it say? At your... At your giving of thanks. So the tongues that should be interpreted are a thanksgiving. Not a message from God, but a giving of thanks to God. How can I say amen at your giving of thanks if I don't understand what you're saying? But you're giving thanks very well, but the other person is not edified. So the tongues that should be interpreted are not a message from God. It's a giving of thanks to God. And how can I say amen at your thanksgiving? How can I enter into that spirit of worship with you if I haven't got a clue what you're saying? So the interpretation of tongues is towards God, just like the speaking in tongues is towards God. The interpretation is also towards God, but it's for my benefit so I can enter into it with you. Very simple. Now, how many are going to confess you have never, ever seen that happen? You've never seen it happen. You live in a small world. It happens in many Pentecostal places, in many churches. It happens. I've seen it happen. As a matter of fact, you have seen it happen here. I have seen it happen in midweek services, and you just never clued into it. You just weren't aware of some of that. Just instruction in some of these things is very, very necessary. Um, I have had much experience where this has been the practice. I've also had been much experience where the other has been the practice 
as well. It's a beautiful thing to witness an interpretation of a prayer of praise that was beyond the speaker's normal ability to express himself. Then the whole congregation can enter into that expression of thanksgiving and worship. And the whole congregation, through proper interpretation, can be lifted up to a higher level of intimate communication with God through means of the dynamic Holy Spirit. We are to press in to these things and grow in our understanding. Paul says concerning these things, I wish you weren't ignorant. I wish you weren't unknowing of these things. And let me just repeat, this is not unique to me. There are plenty of Pentecostal people who teach this, including your own national leaders who teach this. Let's go to verse number 6 now. Let's read verses 6 to 12. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether it's a flute or a harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are... It may be so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them was without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him that speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. The agenda to be proved is verse number 6. Verse number 6 shows the relationship between Paul and the Corinthians. Let me tell you, they are in very hot disagreement with each other over many things. There is a feeling of anti-Paul in the Corinthian church. A lot of people don't like Paul, even though he was the founder and the one who actually brought them the gospel in the first place. There is a strong sentiment that is against Paul. And the real situation is they don't want Paul to come visit. They really don't. I mean, of all the letters, this is a strained letter. 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians are strained letters that Paul writes under great Great, what's the word I'm looking for? Great pressure, great sense of feeling, sense of hurt, get great love for the people. They really are against him, very much so. The Corinthians are very high on themselves that they have this supposed spirituality because they speak in tongues. They are very negative on Paul for his supposed shortcomings in the matter of tongues. This verse is especially relevant as verse 19 later is to come. In verse number 6 it says, Now brethren, it says, it's like, but as it is, what Paul is doing is highlighting the terrible difference of opinion that he and the Corinthians have with each other about what it means to be spiritual. Very, very different opinion of what it means to be spiritual. Now, Paul was planning to come to visit them. You can find that out in chapter 4. 
verses 18 to 21. You can find that out again in chapter 16, verses 2 and 5. Paul is planning to visit them. But he says, what use would it be if I visit you and all I do is speak in tongues when I'm with you? What kind of a visit is that? Now you Corinthians think you'd be in heaven. But it's of no benefit to do that. So Paul makes the decision. He refuses to come to them speaking in tongues. That's their gift. That's their definition of spirituality. That's what church meetings are all about. A lot of shandala handalas. And Paul says, I refuse. When I come, I refuse to come like that. I'm not going to do it. I will not come speaking in tongues. He rejects their criteria of what it means to be spiritual. He would not profit them if he did it at all. So the alternative to come is to come speaking in some form of intelligent utterance. These terms that he uses like need to come with a revelation, to come with knowledge, to come with prophecy, to come with doctrine. These are general terms that Paul uses, but all of them are intelligent. And I also want you to notice he considers each one of them to be inspired of the Spirit. Even doctrine is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Like, for instance, he says in verse number 6, I should come by revelation. What does he mean when he says we should come by revelation? Well, Paul uses that term to describe a lot of things in the Bible. He uses that phrase to talk about the return of Christ. He uses that phrase to talk about the gospel. He uses that phrase to talk about God's will. He uses that phrase to talk about visions. And I could give you a whole list of scriptures, but I don't need to. Just when he talks about by revelation, it means the return of Christ, the gospel, God's will, visions. That's all revelation. When he says, I should come to you with some knowledge, that means the Spirit giving meaning to the things of God. It's a teaching gift. When I get to the topic of the word of knowledge, however long that's going to take us, it doesn't appear to be so fantastic as speaking in tongues. But speaking in tongues looks very supernatural. And teaching doesn't always look supernatural. But when we get to the gift of the word of knowledge, it's very, very supernatural. Though it sometimes it appears to be very plain. It can be, still be very supernatural. Knowledge means the spirit unfolding the meaning of things to your conscience. Prophecy, that's God speaking by the spirit to edify the church. Doctrine. Even doctrine is spirit-inspired. Hallelujah. Get excited about it. Come on. Even doctrine is a gift of the Holy Ghost. That means that the Holy Spirit can speak through somebody inspired words that actually take the form of instruction. We are so used to church services where nobody does anything except the pastor. Why? Why? Where do you find that in the Bible? Gifts of the Spirit through so many different people with so many different things 
to offer. He uses musical instruments as an example. In verse number uh, 7, musical instruments. How many know that some people can make a noise with their instrument, but not a melody? (laughs) Have you ever been to a symphony? And have you ever been there prior to when the concert begins? And you hear them all tuning up their instruments? A cacophony. Meaningless cacophony. If somebody comes in here, and all of us are just speaking in tongues, and there's no certain things being said, it is a meaningless cacophony to the visitor. It says... The hearer did not purchase the tickets to hear the tuning of the instruments. You've come to hear what is heard after the instruments are tuned. Did you catch the significance? Because speaking in tongues is you tuning the instrument. Prophecy is the gift that will flow out of it. People don't come here to hear the instruments being tuned. They come for the symphony. But speaking in tongues is you tuning your instrument. But people are here to hear a concert. As this an important principle. The making of noise does not bring pleasure. There's no profit to it, no assistance, no advantage, no benefit. It's talking to the wind with nothing learned. He uses another example of foreign languages. Now, if you were to walk the streets of Corinth, you'd probably hear many languages. I know that I have walked the streets of Dublin many times. And as I walk the streets of Dublin, sometimes I wonder if anybody speaks English. Because there's so many nationalities, multicultural situation there in Dublin that, you know, I can hear people talk all these foreign languages and you know what? It means nothing to me. Absolutely nothing to me. Now this example of foreign languages is very close to the problem with tongues. It means nothing to other people. Therefore it's not edifying it. So the upshot of all of this is that the church needs to direct its zeal to profitable means that bring edification to the whole assembly. The Corinthians' faulty emphasis was being exclusively enamored with tongues, as if that meant you were a spiritual person. They were zealous of edifying their own spirits, but they were not zealous of edifying the whole church. That is the problem. Very quickly, verses 13 to 19, I will just read and then we'll just take a short little break. Verses 13 to 19, as Paul continues this discussion, he says, Therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit is praying, but my understanding is unfruitful. Well, what's the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I shall also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit... 
How will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say, Amen, at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed are giving thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. That's quite a statement. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul is going to push these analogies of musical instruments and foreign languages. He's going to push these arguments to an application to the believers in worship. He's going to summarize now what he's said and already said to you. What is the point? Are you getting tired of hearing it? The point is, for the sake of other people, only that which is intelligible will bring edification. That is the point. This section will deal with tongues. Everything that Paul has to say about tongues here is very positive. The purpose in this passage is to stop people from giving tongues without interpretation in the corporate assembly. And with that, we will break.